together growing in faith, changing communities. My dear brothers and sisters, I would like us to reflect uh, briefly on the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, from verse 1 to verse 10. In those days, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It is important to remember that when the apostles had had a relationship with Jesus and when they were becoming the people of the way, they did not stop being faithful Jews. They continued to go to the synagogue. They continued to go to the temple. And so here in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, we find uh, Peter and John who are going up to the temple in order to offer their prayers to God. And they will do that as a normal good Jewish person. And that for me is an interesting thing to observe. One, because sometimes when we receive our faith, there are certain things that we need to change, but there are certain things that I think we neglect. My faith is not only lived out at church, my faith should continue to be lived out even at home, with my friends, with my family, with my siblings, with those I live with and those that live around me. I continue to be a good person and my faith helps me to be a good person, to be a good man, to be a good uh, woman, to be a good child, to be a good spouse, to be a good friend. You also see this when the church teaches and says, grace builds on nature. It is a good person in you that manifests the great Christian principles because deep down you are a good person. And that is important to remember that God is able to help us because there is something so divine in all of us that Christianity does not bring anything new per se, but it only builds on that which God has given us. That's the first point. The second point, which is quite interesting for me in the Acts of the Apostles, it is the couple, Peter and John. You hardly hear about this couple. Under normal circumstances, the couple that we hear about, it's Peter and Andrew, because they are brothers. It's John and James, because they are brothers. It is the three, Peter, James, and John. But now you're hearing of Peter and John. And this fascinates me for one reason. You remember in the Gospel of John, who and Mary goes to the tomb. She doesn't find Jesus. She runs back to the community. And guess whom she tells? She tells Peter. And who runs with Peter to the tomb? It is Peter and John. Both of them run. John gets there first, but does not enter. Peter comes later. He enters. Eventually, John enters and he believes. So this couple, for me, it is the disciples that believed or that witnessed 
the resurrection. And that's something absolutely important. Look at the people in your life. What do you share in common? There are some people that you knew, but you are never close. There are some people that you knew, but you never shared so deeply. But either because they've gone through an ordeal that you yourself can identify with, or you are going through a crisis and this person seems to be good and able to listen, and somehow you formed good relationships. Somehow you found a pillar. Somehow you found a good friend. And what holds Peter and John together is the resurrection. It's something absolutely amazing. The other thing that I also find absolutely interesting in this uh, gospel, in this uh, reading, they go up to the temple to pray. And on the gates, or at the gates rather, they find a man who's been lame since birth. Now, we don't know how old the man is, but we know that he is unable to walk. And the author tells us every day he was carried. Now, don't you find it absolutely amazing? He's carried and he's left at the gate. He's never carried into the synagogue. Where he should have been carried to, where he could have received help, but he's not taken there. His friends have only taken him to the gate. Why? Because at the gate, that's the only place where he's going to be getting the money. So, while there is a God of mercy that could have helped, he does not go for help, but he goes for handouts. I'm not sure if you can see the difference there. And there's a huge difference there. And I need to challenge myself. When I ask, or when I working towards healing or getting better, how genuine or how many of us really, really need help and to come out of the situation or we enjoy the attention of being helped throughout the journey. He's getting the money at the gate because everybody feels for him. At the church, he's not going to get it, but he's going to get something bigger and better than that. How many of us are going through a crisis, a scenario, a situation, but we will rather stay with it because somehow in psychology and Freud, Sigmund Freud also argues this, and he says we continue the habit that somehow allows us to benefit from certain things. And the only time we stop certain habits it's when we are no longer benefiting from everything else. There's a question that Jesus asks in the scriptures. He says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want your life to change? And I think that is important. But let's look at a different nuance to this man who's being carried by his friends to the gate. Let's argue that he himself would have wanted to go inside. But his friends are only able to leave him here. And so he lives at the mercy of his own friends. And how often do we fall trap of that? How often do we fall victims of that? St. Paul says, I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. 
And the things that I do want to do, I cannot do. And sometimes in our faith, sometimes in our lives, we struggle with that. That we could have gone further, we could have done more, but somehow I find myself limited. But I've also seen this in my own life, where I feel inadequate, where I feel that I'm not worthy, where I feel that I'm a sinner. And I say, who am I to do this? How can I then do this? Because I don't feel that I'm good enough to do that. There's something else that I also find absolutely amazing that the author does for the first time in the Acts of the Apostles. Peter is the one who speaks. And Peter and John, they look at the man and Peter says to him, look at us. Fix your eyes on us. And the author makes it absolutely powerful. And he fixed his attention upon them. Where is my attention? You remember when Jesus is walking on the water and Peter demands, Lord, call me to come to you. And Jesus says, well, come. And Peter has his eyes on Christ. But the moment he loses his eyes on Christ, he crumbles and he goes down. And the question is quite interesting. Have I kept my eyes on the Lord? Can I keep my eyes focused on Jesus? And there's a beautiful word there to focus. Where is my focus? Where is the focus of my family? We are growing older. Where is my focus? And as you grow older, I want to argue that you start looking at things in life differently. Your relationship with God is important. Your relationship with other people is important. But also family becomes important. And so you start doing things and you start wondering and worrying about your own children, about the things that you are leaving behind. But the other question we need to ask ourselves, as a family, are we focused? My children, are they focused? My grandchildren, are they focused? Where is our focus? Where is where am I fixing my eyes? The last point that I want to talk about is that Peter says to the man, I have no silver nor gold, but in the name of Jesus, I ask you to get up and to walk. And there comes the most powerful phrase for the first time ever in the scriptures. In the name of Jesus lies the power. How many of us believe that? That in the name of Jesus, I can do everything. That I can walk home. That I can get up in the middle of the night, in the midst of a crisis. I can say, in the name of Jesus, let this be and it shall be. For the very first time in the scriptures, it happens. May the Virgin Mother of God continue to be with us, to protect, to bless, and to guide us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.